I'm going to hit record now. And uh, it's a great way to plug uh, Jeff and Julie move to France. In fact, uh, some of our emails today uh, mention how much people have enjoyed listening to uh, that show. And also, uh, you know, we got a comment. I just saw it online. Uh, our buddy Danny Kingsbury heard both Dan and I on uh, Lumby's podcast. And, uh, you know, nice. Well, he would have liked that because uh, there's references to, to back to the original days of radio. The, the there, like yeah. Marconi days? Or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when, when we all started when out. When we all started, the original days of radio? Jesus yeah. Christ, Dan. You know, just yesterday, Dan found out he was 65. And now, he <laughs> now, now he's all about being old. Uh, it was funny, funny years, years ago, you know, CBC, I don't know if they still have it, but in the basement of the CBC building, they have a, a they had an area where all there's all a whole bunch of old equipment, you know, like turntables and audio consoles and that kind of thing. And I looked at all that stuff in real to real tape machines. I remember looking years ago, I remember looking as a. I've used every single piece of this <laughs> in my career. I've, my fingers have touched this exact same, you know, Ampex 440 or, you know, the old uh, tape stretching mm-hmm. real to real machine. So it was, it was, yeah. That, that old, that room, that's where they keep uh, Pierre Burton, right? That's right. <laughs> yeah. And, Betty uh, Kennedy. Betty Kennedy's down there. <laughs> yeah. Peter Zofsky's. They all what they 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 just chirogenically froze them so that sometime in the future they can bring them back. I need that old tape machine. Will you move, Pierre? Please. (laughs) That's right. They're uh, they're getting everyone back. Uh, Gord Sinclair is there. Uh, They're getting everyone back for a front page challenge twenty (laughs) forty (laughs) five. That's funny. Uh, yeah, well, it can be. Uh, anyway, so our friend moved to the south of France, and this we were just catching up before the show about all the things he did to his house, and 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 it all started because the weather there. Traditionally, it would be much nicer there than it is here, but we are experiencing some kind of summer vortex. I was up near Fred yesterday, uh, north of Freddie in Georgetown. And when I left where I was, yes, I had a golf course, socially distancing, blah, blah, blah. It was uh, 20 degrees at about 3.34 in the afternoon. And I, I was driving uh, down Mayfield to 410, down to Toronto, and somewhere just south of the 401 on the 427. It was interesting because you could see the weather had changed. The sky went from blue skies where I was to this, and again, I apologize for my colorblindness reference, but it's that cobalt sort of black, steely blue sky. And I'm like, what's going on? Because it started to seem like I couldn't see very much. And by the time I got to the 427 at the uh, Gardner QEW cutoff, it was completely foggy. And the temperature had dropped to about 11 degrees. Mm-hmm. It was fucking wild, dude. It's still foggy here now. You should have taken some pictures, put them up on our Facebook. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> but you know, it, it's, uh, it's weird because it was so warm where I was and so cold where I ended up. And it's Make just, of, well, no, it just made me think of the lake and how much effect it has on the lake ecosystem effect. here. Yeah. Lake mm-hmm. What's that? Do you want me to go back? Take <laughs> Lake of fucking going to tell me to take some more fucking, fucking pictures. If this shows nothing else. <laughs> Certainly got the weather covered, don't we? That's a weather phenomenon. I know it is. You don't know. 
I said, speaking of you being at the golf course yesterday, it was a gorgeous day. And uh, Dahl looks at me and she goes, oh, I guess Howard is going to be frustrated today. And I said, why? And she said, well, I'm sure he would have wanted to be golfing today. And I said, well, he is. She goes, what? Because <laughs> about an hour earlier, I had told her that you're still testing positive. Yeah. She says, pardon me. <laughs> and I said, he, he went golfing. Well, how can he? Like, I don't understand. How? Why? How can he do that? And I said, well, he's doing it. I guess he'll just stay away from everyone. And, uh, you know. And I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, masked up. I had a mask on uh, whenever I was around anyone. And then uh, we got separate carts. Mm-hmm. And uh, even and we, I was playing with my buddy Paul. And we joined up with a couple other younger dudes. And they're, you know, younger dudes in their late 40s. And uh, I told him, I said, listen, guys, uh, you know, I'm just uh, getting over this. I've got my mask on. I'm going to stay, you know, and, they, and one guy said to me, you know, he, he said, <laughs> getting over this. He what? I'm getting over this. You still tested positive. Is that getting over? This? Yeah, I'm getting over. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> the one guy, it's so funny that you bring this up because yeah. everyone's uh, reaction is so much different than what have been a year ago. So the one guy, oh, yeah. I tell him, you know, I've just come back from France. I had COVID. That's why I've got my mask on. And this guy, and we're not, we're taking separate carts. He goes, listen, man, I run a bar. The one guy is a fireman and he doesn't, he's all, you know, everyone he knows has COVID. The guy that runs a bar goes, I don't care. I run a bar. I, uh, everyone who walks in's probably got it. So that's whatever. right. It all, yeah, it all depends on your, I totally agree. It all depends on your situation at this point. You know, Delise still doesn't have it, so she's still very conscious of it. And I want to say, like, don't worry about it. You're probably just going to get it. Just roll with it now. But that's not where she comes from. Um, Maybe people that have it like you, and when you wear a mask, maybe they should produce a mask that say positive, right? Like you're wearing a mask, but across it says positive. So people know that when you walk into a room and you're wearing a mask to protect the masses, that it says positive. They know mm-hmm. now to yeah. stay away. No, from I should you. do that. Yeah. yeah. Social, that, that's social distancing right there. That'll keep oh, yeah. people yeah. away. And yeah. people go, oh, fuck, look at that guy. He's positive. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, you know, I play with these guys. They're great guys both pretty average golfers and so they enjoyed you know my buddy paul who's a teacher and he was he's one of those guys loves to you know help out whatever but at the very end you know because i don't know about you well you usually play with the guys that know you but we don't really talk much about what we do i i it never came up in four plus hours of hanging out with these guys and so in the parking lot the one guy says what what do you do and rather than, you know, sometimes I'll say, well, I'm, a, I'm in sales because <laughs> I just, <laughs> you know, that little lie that I do, that little say when I say I'm in sales, I'm usually that ends the conversation. But I said, no, nah, well, for the last number of years, I've been hosting a radio show in Toronto. He went, I knew it. Humble and Fred. I knew it. And he on, on and on and loves the humble and Fred. And and I'm glad that it did. That we had a nice conversation about what we're doing now. And he said, oh, you've got a new podcast listener. He's going to be tuning in today. You know, people say that. But uh, I, I like that it went that way. Because when it goes the other way, which is early in the round, what do you do? And if I say I'm on the Humble and Fred show, you know, the two reactions are that one, which is nice. Mm-hmm. But then it's, you know, potentially an afternoon of asking questions. What's Dan's really, what's Dan really like? How big is his wiener? And then the second part could be, I do the Humble and Fred show and then it's just blank stares. Never heard of it. Don't listen to it. Hated it. Awkward. 
Yeah, because when you play the percentages, that's more likely than not, right? Because most people haven't or never heard, maybe heard of the show, but never listened to the show, even back in the day. Back in the glory days. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I find as, as far as podcasting has come, that's still a small frustration with me, is that maybe friends, maybe family, maybe people that you meet that knew the old show are well aware of the podcast, but still have never really listened to it. They haven't taken that step yet. They're aware of podcasts. They even know how to get podcasts. They may even listen to other podcasts, but they haven't listened to this one yet. It's a little bit of a frustration. Well, what are you saying that? Are you saying that? Yeah. People we actually know also listen to podcasts, but wouldn't listen to this. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Hey, by the way, and again, not to beat the smartless drum here, but I haven't gotten to the Gretzky one yet. I promise you. I I know, but the the other one, the one preceding that, the least brought it to my attention and I listened to it. President Joe Biden is on the show. Come on. No. And he sounds like such a nice man. You know, again, and the guys say that at the end, you know, there's a decent human being. Forget politics. Yeah. And that's what we need. Forget politics. Where's the decency? He just sounds like a decent man. You know, like... Dan, you were going to jump in there quickly before we moved on to Joe. What, what did you want to say? Because um, I heard... I here's, here's, well, because I heard... Here's what I heard. I heard your lip smack, as yeah. they do, prior to yeah. uh, Dan Duran uh, Bon Mott. But I, but I held back, and then I, I well, lost the Well, to, to Fred's yeah. point about Grandpa oh, Joe... Uh, okay, yeah. sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to ask you how you felt on the course. Uh, did you go for a full uh, full 18, the full uh, course? And, uh, you know, with your COVID, did you get run down at the end? No, I didn't. Your feet or anything? No, I, uh, I didn't get I, I I rode in a cart, which I don't normally do. And uh, <laughs> no, Dan was so funny yesterday. He's goes, getting over it. <laughs> Dan was so funny. I'm not really. It's funny because my uh, all of a sudden now I've developed a cough. Um, Dan's so cute yesterday. He goes, you know, maybe you should just play uh, like nine holes. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> well, when Dan just asked that question, I was going to say, hey, I can answer that. Yes, he did. He played all <laughs> yeah. 18. Yeah, yes, played yes, all 18. He's tempted to play another 18. <laughs> I could have. But he's got dark. Yeah, I would have. Right, right, yeah, and then it got foggy. And no, I didn't take <clears throat> pictures for our Facebook page. Anyway, Grandpa Joe, <laughs> Grandpa Joe last night. I didn't watch it, uh, but I did uh, see some of the fallout after it and and apparently you know he acquitted himself well but i i mean you said it yesterday about you know the guy's 78 years old i mean you know he's just and he looks it he looks great for a 78 year old yeah sitting there with uh, the smartless guys the conversation was fine there was no no point where you could point and go wow he's lost his train of thought or he just said something stupid right it's just in those public forums now when pressed on issues and stuff. I saw even the other night on CNN as they make their move towards the center more, uh, you know, a compilation of, of stuff that will be used against him in the next uh, election in 2024 if he runs. There's, there's going to be no end of stuff that can be used against him from a cognitive standpoint. But that may that may also be a result of didn't he have a stutter at some, one point that he had to? to oh no, no Dan, yeah. Dan, no, yeah. this is way beyond the stutter. <laughs> it's well, I was just wondering, maybe under pressure, like a press yeah. conference or something. It's it's yeah, but even that, you, you know, the leader of the free world can't 
buckle under pressure. You know, there's just so many things attached to that that will be used against him. Yeah. That's why hopefully when these uh, primaries or these uh, uh, midterms are over, maybe they'll announce that some young blood's going to take over. Hopefully, uh, you know, we've had this conversation on and off air and that guy. Every time I see him speak, this Pete Buttigieg, Buttigieg yeah. whatever. Uh, just someone like that, because the the surrogates, the the sort of guys that are coming up after the surrogates, wrong word is the the other sort of Trumpy politicians in the states on the right side. There's lots of them. There's lots of dynamic guys, and you can I hate these guys, but they're you know Ted Cruz and Ron DeSantis, and you know those guys are vibrant young you know younger men. And some of the women, Carrie Lake, some of those nut jobs, but they're vibrant. They're aggressive. They're, yeah. They seem put together, even mm-hmm. though they what they spew evil. But they're definitely they're not stuttering and doddering around. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, he tells a story quickly. One story. Uh, he had no intention of running, and then they have these family sort of uh, meetings or conferences, and he said his grandkids asked hey pop we want a family conference so all his grandkids were there from 20 something to a teenager or whatever and it was you know at the height of the trump stuff and they said you have to run and he goes i I don't want to run they said pop you have to do this for america because this this man is a pig this can't continue and all the polling says remember back then it was the only guy that had a shot against trump was biden but he said, kids, this is going to get nasty. It will be really nasty, and I don't want to put my family through that because you can see the reason we're having this meeting is because he is so horrible and the people around him are so horrible, it's going to be nasty. And they said, we know, Pop, we know, Pop, and they showed him a picture that he hadn't even seen yet. And it was something that had been on Twitter or Facebook. It was him with his arm around his youngest grandson, and the caption said something, uh, Biden grooming another one. Hmm. Oh. Like a pedophile. Uh, no, no, I got it. Atten- no, yeah, and it's like, he was, uh, they said, we know, like, we, we, we've seen this stuff already, but we want you to run. For what it's worth, that's the story he told, and I found it quite compelling. And why would you not believe that? Because we've seen stuff like that, right? Oh, no, for sure. And, and that's, uh, I mean, just to park Joe for a second, it's a curious thing, that idea of, that the Republicans have put in the minds of their sad, simple, stupid constituents that, you know, they literally are, are floating this concept that the Democrat, the Hillary Clinton and all of them are grooming young children mm-hmm. in a mass pedophile cabal, part of which also includes draining the, the blood of babies for skincare. So, like, I know that sentence I just said sounds ridiculous and from a movie, but but back to your point about there exists pictures of Joe Biden hugging his grandchildren, and they're using that to say, see, see, stupid people, here's one of the evildoers grooming yeah. another one. Mm-hmm. So, again, there's no boundaries, and anybody that gets into it now knows that that's part of it. You know, and the way they're bashing this John Fetterman guy. It's John Fetterman, right? Yes. Yeah. The guy that had a stroke. He's running against Mehmet Oz. The same people that bash this John Fetterman guy endorse Herschel Walker. Like, it's unbelievable. You know, John Fetterman, he can recover from what ails him. (laughs) Herschel Walker can't. Yeah, you can't. It's hard hard to recover from stupid. Exactly. 
and it just blows me away and it's like you just you ingest this stuff and it's like i gotta turn it off it's just so hypocritical and so yeah. ridiculous it's it just stands to aggravate me why well, I, I was thinking you know, about like how can herschel be your guy and then you take a shot at like i, I don't get it oh i got a better one for you but i but i was thinking about what you asked me yesterday on the show because uh, i thought okay you know, in a week that those midterms are going to be on. And of course, right now I'm consuming a lot of MSNBC and CNN and mm-hmm. yes, Fox too. And uh, I thought, am I going to do that? And I, I mean, part of it is because not, not, nothing will be completely resolved next Tuesday. Mm-mm. And there's, but, but I just, it's almost like I can't look away in, it's the, not just the historic part of it, but it's just the, I find it hard to stop watching it. And I did last night, last night I was watching some CNN and I thought, you know what? I don't need any more of this today, and I parked it for the night. No, because it's frustrating, and the thing is, people might think it's over the top and overstated and, you know, a bit hysterical, but what Biden talked about is true. Democracy is on the line. You right. can, These people better wake up than it. Um, well, I'll tell you, before we, I was going to say, and, and so Herschel Walker, who we all know is a Heisman, great, uh, great ball player, you know, football player. And I don't, and I didn't know this about him that he had started some businesses. He has a business. He's done pretty well as a successful businessman, despite the fact that he seems moronic. I give him that. But there's a clip of him, and I was going to grab it for the show, but I thought, ah, you know, I'll just describe it. Basically, he's being interviewed, and he's talking about how President Obama was in Georgia, like a lot of the heads of these parties going around the country. Um going to these rallies supporting their candidates. And so Herschel Walker is saying to this guy, I'll put my resume up against Obama any day. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> he actually said that. He said, I've started some businesses. You know, I've written, he said, I've written the, I've signed the front of a check, like a business check, right? He said, uh, I don't know what Obama's done. <laughs> Something like, I'll put my resume up against his any day. And I'm like, Herschel, you know, he was the president, right? Mm-hmm. That's on because it's on his resume. One of the first lines of Obama's LinkedIn would say president of the United States. Oh, that's, uh, I, oh there. That, that's what I'm going to do after the show this, uh, this morning. I'm going to uh, investigate, see what businesses this guy ran like Jesus. I don't know. I don't know who held who held his hand through those. Anyway, um, you know, I love Jimmy Kimmel. I just, to me, of all the late night guys, I just like him. I've said he's so comfortable in his skin. I love his delivery. I love the attitude of his show. And he was on with, uh, I forget with who last night, but, you know, he tweeted out against Elon Musk. He says, uh, it has been interesting over the years to watch you blossom from the electric car guy into a fully formed piece of shit. (laughs) 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 And I thought that's fantastic. And that takes balls. I mean, this is the like the richest man in the world who is now in control of what arguably the biggest social um, media network going. That should never be allowed. Yeah. And he's yeah. And he (laughs) it's funny. He said immediately the way he's been attacked on Twitter, he says, like, obviously, he's going to be attacked. Um, but he said it's fascinating. But I thought that takes some balls. And, of course, it's tied to Musk sort of perpetuating that rumor about. Uh, it's all I mean, it's there. The, you want to talk about unleashing the hounds of, you know, I've, I've heard this phrase a couple times. Maybe you have too, Dan, recently uh, saying that Twitter is going to turn into some kind of hellscape because when they take the 
restrictions off. Mm-hmm. Um, although I did read an interesting article first thing this morning, our boy uh, Bob Lefsitz's letter about how Twitter isn't the most uh, powerful social media. Nope. In fact, it's Facebook is six times more popular. But you know what he uh, you know what he said that I, I thought it was very interesting is I've migrated most of my social time to it, which is TikTok. And at first he said, you know, most people haven't haven't realized that TikTok has become the more powerful than Instagram, more powerful than Twitter. Uh, it's approaching Facebook numbers. And he said the people that don't know that are sort of our generation. Right. Interesting you say that because I was reading something else yesterday and I saw it. There's something on TikTok called Under the Desk. It's this kid that does these social political statements on TikTok. Very, very popular. Well, he got Obama to do one, and this kid's under the desk, and Obama sits down. And the only message is, get out and vote. Young people, Mm -hmm. get out and vote. Because it's a young audience that, obviously, you just said was on TikTok. So that was the only message. Well, the way he was attacked by the right for doing that, oh, you know, then TikTok comes out of China. And, you know, know, anyway, just a long list of horrible accusations against Obama for simply sitting down with this kid and say, hey, everybody, get out and vote on Tuesday. So it doesn't matter what you do, who you are, what you say. It's just got to be, it's just got to turn into acid. It's sad. It really is. It is. Uh, and Dan, this might uh, be of interest to you um, because, you know, here we are thinking that, and this kind of goes to one of the I heard a lot of talk around uh, why was Joe Biden going on TV last night? And one of the reasons he went on was to talk about how important this election is, not politically, but for the the sake of the continuation of the country's Mm -hmm. ability to have elections. And he was being sort of not, again, listening to CNN and Fox. Part of the criticism of that is, is that should that be the message six days from these elections? Because the average American doesn't think election credibility is as important as the rest of us do. And in fact, here's what Americans think. The overwhelming, this is the issues for America. 51% of Americans, inflation is the number one issue. And I would say if we were to do a poll in Canada, it would be similar. I, I, I agree. Um, and there's a lot of other things in Canada that are getting a lot of uh, talk these days, uh, you know, everything from the notwithstanding here in uh, Ontario and this uh, uh, whatever's going on, this tribunal, whatever they're doing in Ottawa. Lots of things going on in the news, but 51 percent of North Americans, I would say, you know, what's in second place in the states as far as an issue this election? It's abortion, but it's 15 percent. It's what? It's, it's only 15 percent. So and then in third place. At 9% is fuckery around elections. Mm-hmm. But what Biden was doing last night and what they're trying to get Obama and all these people to understand is that even though it's only a 9% concern for most Americans, it's probably the biggest concern for the overall health of the country. Because mm-hmm. we'll, we'll recover from inflation. Yeah, and you know I'm not surprised by that because... It just becomes a personal thing. Even you may be outraged by Roe versus Wade and the decisions made there. But again, if you've never had an abortion, someone you know has never had an abortion, it's not really been an issue in your life other than principle. 
you know, it's the flavor of the day, and inflation's just there. It's like, you know, you know, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's Canada or the United States. You know, they interview people coming out of grocery stores, and they go like, I, I can't get my head around this. What this is costing me. And those yep. isu- those issues just rise to the top, and that's the big. Th- you know, I can't worry about somebody's abortion situation over here. I got to feed my kids, and that's where we're at right now. It's it's just bad timing because if inflation wasn't what it was right now, and interest rates weren't going up, I'm sure abortion would be the number one because it's basic human rights now. It's 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 bad timing, unfortunately. That's what I'm saying. There's this perfect storm for the republicans right now that's so frustrating uh dan duran do you have any thoughts or comments we will start the show this isn't even the show for a lot of people yeah. who are wondering is this a show it's kind of a show <laughs> yeah. uh I, I well, it, it astonishes me that, that more people aren't kind of on the voting thing because if they don't, if they, uh, especially you know, people on the more liberal side, it, it, you know, it, it, the Republicans don't really represent the majority of the people in the United States, which is astonishing to me that people aren't a little bit more concerned from my vantage point and our vantage point up here. If what if they don't fix something in the like the the midterms are critical and then the next presidential election, if the Republicans get through there, democracy down there is really, really at threat. It's already been gerrymandered at the state level to a point where people always the Republicans will always get in the way it is. Mm -hmm. They'll they're they're there for life now. The people that, that have been elected in some states. It's just astonishing that people don't see that to me. And again, not to belabor this, but I saw an interview yesterday, too, about a woman from Venezuela who traditionally has been voting Republic or a Republican, believe it or not, for whatever reason, had businesses, whatever. She's going to vote Democrat because coming from Venezuela, she is so afraid of democracy being lost in the United States. That's enough to, to make her switch parties. You know, there's that phrase. We need more of that. Yeah, a lot. Of, well, yeah, there, you know, there's a. A phrase I was uh, came you know came into this sort of culture a couple of years ago, and, I, and sometimes I think of it. And the phrase is, "Things happen slowly and then all at once." And, <laughs> yes. and, and then the re- the problem with that is, it, it's already happening, but it's happening very slowly. It's happening at the school level, the state level. It's happening at the at levels around that country where you don't hear about. You know, sure, we're, I think most people could identify that they're about to uh, do Senate and Congress. But what they don't realize, too, is that all over that country, at the grassroots level, there are hundreds and hundreds of, of election-denying candidates mm-hmm. that are going to get into the grassroots of that politic and mm-hmm. that's the part that's scary because uh, uh, all the, all at once it'll seem like geez how did this happen in five years or whatever 10 years where all of a sudden the country changes completely well like oh when did that all start well it's starting now and just to address those who might be listening to this show this podcast and thinking why are you talking so much about the Americans? still believe just think about this democracy is threatened it say it it literally ends in the United States as we know it. They're our closest neighbor, our most powerful friend. Just think of what that could mean to us. So yeah, it's very, very important. And one last thing I'll say, you mentioned the inquiry, you know, into the Emergencies Act in Ottawa. Yeah. Again, we should talk a little bit Canada. And this won't take long to say I love it because 
day after day more and more and more. It's just exposing those fucking assholes for what they are and were. And that's all I have to say. About okay, that. and thank you very much for that. Um, <laughs> uh, there's, listen, we have a show. We've got some emails, lots of them, uh, that will keep the discussion going. Dan Duran's news, of course, coming up. I, uh, I've got a piece of audio that I, it's just interesting. It's a, a famous clip, and it came up in uh, my Twitter timeline yesterday, basically uh, commemorating a, an appearance that Jerry Seinfeld made. On the Larry King show from years ago. And, and it's funny to me on a couple levels, but it's interesting how the reaction to the clip has changed over time. And are you, are you, you know the clip I'm talking about? I, I think I have a pretty good idea. idea. Yeah. So it, it was one of those things where uh-huh. it's a pretty f- legendary clip. It's been played over and over again. But what I wanted to also comment on when we get to it is that, is that it's uh-huh. gone from being just what it what it was on the surface to now the wokeism of it it's very interesting the reactions very different i'm not sure if you're you know about that also uh there's a bunch of the list of so tiger woods and rory mcelroy have uh begun a a co-venture but what's interesting for an average sports fan is the number of other athletes from other sports that have signed on to be part of it including the sweet angel josh allen from the buffalo bills it's very interesting Mm-hmm. The, just because of the I just thought it was interesting when we, if we get to this story about the power of that brand, the Tiger Woods brand and Rory McIlroy to a, a much lesser degree. But still, that brand and who it brings into it is, is pretty mm-hmm. interesting in terms of the guys in sports and the guys in the knowing sports, how they want to be associated with the. with Tiger to, you know, even now. And, you know, he's in his final moments as a player. Well, I had mentioned that, uh, you know, the Gretzky thing on Smartless, he talked about something similar to that, an apparel company. And he said he'd never really thought he'd get involved. And one day the phone rang and it was Derek Jeter who was starting in a line of apparel. And Derek Jeter said, Wayne, would you be interested in getting involved? And he said, yes. Didn't think twice. Why? He said, when Derek Jeter phones you and asks you, <laughs> That's you right. want to get involved in some apparel line, you, you don't think twice. You just say yes. <laughs> And uh, did it work out for him? Oh, well, they're in the midst of it now. Uh, Good for him. Uh, Very much like when Dan Duran called us and said, hey, I'm available to be your studio announcer again, even though I'm couch surfing at various people's homes. Right. Today, if you're watching the uh, Facebook feed, Dan Duran's in the uh, swanky basement. I don't even know what you call that rec room of the uh, talented uh, broadcaster Liz West. Yes, they have a, a fabulous place on the uh, in the western or the eastern part of the the city. All and, right, uh, love being here. Well, well nice. you know, listen, I'm just uh, Once I get over this COVID in three or four months, I'm going to tell you right now, you're welcome back here. All right, this episode of Hubble. Ad- hold on, hold on, still, hold Howard. On. Why don't you just whip over to Liz's and spread it around? <laughs> 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 Make sure you tell everybody before you do it, though. All right. Listen, one of us was, you know, came across a border. Well, I guess we both did. I was going to say we both came back with COVID from a foreign country. Ah, damn it. All right. Here's Dan Duran. 
This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from the well-equipped Humble and Fred studios in trendy parts of East and West Toronto and a Brampton basement. And is brought to you by Bodog, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, GoDaddy, Air Adventures, EVNet.ca, and our newest sponsor, Kelsey's, Canada's original roadhouse since 1978. Eat what you want to eat, drink what you want to drink, and be who you want to be. Enjoy classics like the legendary four-cheese spinach dip and unforgettable chicken wings. Fuel your adventurous spirit that craves something a little different, a little more original. And now, here are two men who have already been shopping for Christmas decorations, but only because they have to walk through them to get to the free tasting stations at Costco. Yes, they're back, and they don't mind repeat tastings. It's Tumble and Fred. All right, all right, all right. We have a lot to uh, get through, even though, because the the pre-show sometimes takes over the show. So now we've got this show. Uh, Before we get to more show, why don't you uh, do your thing? Let me uh, let me get you some musica. Any, by the way, do you have any uh, any uh, requests? You know, it's your show, too. Do you have something you'd like to hear behind you? Anything? Oh, geez, you put me on the spot now. I mean, you know, tell it. (laughs) The whole world of songs out there. Where (laughs) do I begin making a decision? I know, pal. Well, we'll tell you what. what, uh, Who's your first uh, read today? Uh, Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan. Okay, well, listen, insurance, uh, security, safety. Ah, there you go. The safety net. Exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. See, we, we right. look how quickly Fred and I came up with something to keep you safe. There we go. Yeah, the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan. Yes, safety for your employees. This is what it amounts to. Canada's number one group benefit. Uh, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. You can get a free quote today. Uh, go to chamberplan.ca. We're talking dental. We're talking prescriptions. We're talking travel insurance. We're talking therapies. They have an HR component now, a mental health component. They are very progressive, cutting edge. They stay ahead of the curve. They can do this because thirty thousand Canadian businesses are part of this. They've been around for forty years. And because it's so big from that perspective, they can keep premiums down. So don't be freaked out by that. Don't think, okay, I'm going to join up and then what happens? The premiums are going to skyrocket. No. And the history is there. Uh, Brett Tanner has showed us that and talked about that on this on the show. They've done a great job that way because they have to protect small businesses. Figure it out. Uh, chamberplan.ca. Go there today. I was just trying to find a way to fade this down and then I've got a a theme for uh, Kelsey's here, you know, because they're a roadhouse and this is, Mm -hmm. this is roadhouse blues, just in case anyone didn't quite get that. Now, of course, I've got to find it. Okay, here we go. There's a lot going on here because it's uh, I, I like the fact that Kelsey's has sent us this copy and then it's like different on different days. Mm-hmm. So today is a Thursday. Did you know that Kelsey's has been winging it since 1978? Try their legendary chicken wings for half price wings every Thursday. That's today. Sauced and styled how you like them. And why not wash them down with a $6 Coors Light 16 ounce draft? What are you waiting for? 
Grab your buds and head to Kelsey's this wing night and celebrate the start of the weekend the right way. Offer is valid with the purchase of a beverage. Must be of Lincoln. Of Lincoln? Must be of Lincoln. Must be of legal drinking age. Please drink responsibly. All right. And just don't forget there's a, a chance you can go to Kelsey's with your buds and while you're there this is the chance you get the the drink uh, I just told you about plus your chance to win over 500 sports prizes including NFL jerseys soccer jerseys and swag and the grand prize VIP Super Bowl 57 experience all you gotta do is uh, visit the roadhouse to watch a game get a ticket and enter to win game night should not be tame night Freddy grab your buds and visit Kelsey's today the original roadhouse Kelsey's .ca for more information. Thursday night football and uh, the next game of the World Series tonight. I'll talk about that later uh, through Bodog. Yes. Nice, nice, nice. What is uh, Who is playing the Thursday night football game? Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, hey, I don't you know, didn't put you on the spot there. No, it's, you know, I just, I don't have that information at hand. Do, do you know who's up next for the Bills Mafia? Yes, the Jets on the Sunday. Uh, Bills are uh, one and seven, I think, on the season or whatever. One and seven, Howard. That Sorry, six and seven and one. I, I get, it. I always get that screwed up. Mm-hmm. What is it? Seven and one. I think it's six and one. All right, don't panic. Um, I might as well tell you that. Uh, so here are the lists. So there's, uh, it's a, it's a venture called uh, TMRW Sports. So Tiger Woods, and Rory McIlroy, and here are the investors. You know, you know, you told that story about Gretzky getting a call from Derek Jeter. What mm-hmm. happens when Tiger calls you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tiger says, hey, I'm doing this thing with this punk from Ireland, uh, Rory. So in the world of F1, Lewis Hamilton and then a bunch of other stars. In the NFL, Josh Allen, Tony Romo, and a couple other guys I don't know. Kevin, uh, Kelvin Beauchamp, Beauchamp, do you know him? And Larry Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. From the world of entertainment, uh, some punk named Justin Timberlake is signed on. In tennis, Andy Murray, Serena Williams. Anyway, to your point about, you know, getting involved with these guys, I guess they figured, well, you know, Tiger's got some juice behind his brand. Yeah, what's the what's the business again? What is the deal? You know what? I, it, that's a great. I knew I should know that. It's a, a joint venture in, uh, I think they're doing a series of young youth oriented golf experiences maybe like top golf i don't know if you're aware of what top golf is it's a driving range experience it started in vegas it's like all bells and whistles and drinking and party games and you just hit oh. into or onto a range it's it's oh. taken off all over the states i can see that yeah yeah so that's the uh, venture that uh, josh allen of your buffalo bills is getting involved with in yeah. Boy, he's just so good. He's just, you know, but again, every time he runs with that ball, you just, you hold your breath. You hold your breath. He's a big kid, too. He's not uh, mm. He's not short. Like, oh. see, Flutie was low to the ground like a toddler. Yeah. And when, to, when Flutie would scramble, you'd think, mm-hmm. okay, well, he can't fall that far. You know, like a kid, you know, he falls over and he's close to the ground. But Josh Allen's like a spindly-legged 6'2", mm-hmm. 6'3". I was just thinking the other day, I was reading about, you know, their new stadium. Uh, they're going to break ground, I guess, within the next year. It'll be done by 2026 or whatever. And part of me's thinking, you know, $850 million of that $1.5 billion is coming from 
taxpayers, publicly funded, and I always have had a problem with that. But I'm thinking, you know, that community, everybody seems to be all in because the football team means so much to them. And then I was just fantasizing as they were beating up on the uh, Green Bay Packers. Can you imagine if that struggling, rough little town actually won the Super Bowl? It would just be so good for that community because they really have never won anything. You know, the Sabres have never won. And I think the Bills won the AFL championship like in 1960 or something when it meant nothing. But can you like a community like that when that, you know, we have a lot going on here in Toronto. But for them, what that would mean to those people. In a, I'd in so a, love to see. Uh, no, I agree. And I was just mm-hmm. thinking what what the uh, com- similar market in Canada it would be like when it would be like Winnipeg winning the uh, not the Grey Cup, but yeah, if, if, the, if the Jets won the if the yeah. Jets won the Stanley Cup, yes, yes, because yeah. the the Jets, I believe, and I, I'm, I'm maybe uh-huh. I'm outdated with this reference, but I, I believe they're a community owned team as well, aren't they? Uh, off the top, uh, maybe they're not. They used to be. Yeah. Yeah. I know the Bombers are community owned, or maybe they once were, but uh, yeah, no, it would and be great. Listen, riders. dude, yeah. it would be yeah, the Riders. It would be uh, oh, very much like the Riders, but it would be great here. Uh, even as you were saying it, I was thinking, man, that was yeah, yeah, it would be that would make you know that's going to make uh, December January a lot more interesting if they're mm-hmm. you know I mean they're already contending, but if it looks like they're going to go all mm-hmm. the way. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't and, uh, it? One other thing on their stadium, my buddy, our buddy, John Ellison, who was on the show through the election, lives in Baltimore, but from Buffalo, loves the Bills. I said to him when I was down there in August, I said, this new stadium, I don't understand. Why wouldn't they build it downtown? He goes, no way. That would totally screw up the culture. I said, really? I said, would it just make sense to be downtown? People go downtown. He said, no. Buffalo is known for their tailgating. And he said that situation in Orchard Park is perfect. Wide open spaces. It's such an event for those people that you wouldn't want to take it downtown because it might somehow affect that. I thought, hey, listen, who am I to argue with a Buffalonian? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I again, having, I've only been there a couple times, which you're right. I mean, it's a bit when you take that mm-hmm. away from the main core. Although I get why you'd say why not have a downtown because mm-hmm. look what it's like here in Toronto. You go to a ball game and the entire area is lit up. Yeah. Um, let's listen. We, we, this is going to take us a while to get through. Hi so guys. let's Hi start guys. it now. Okay. Let me uh, open up uh, this. Uh, and uh, why don't we start with uh, that? Uh, let, actually, let me get to it because it was a screen cap from somebody in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And it's our boy, Buffalo boy. And he says, nothing surprises. Actually, just to back up, Buffalo Boy is a guy that took us to a baseball game. Mike McAuliffe. Yep. McAuliffe. I always screw up his last name. Mike's a sweet guy. And what a great night we had. That's my first ball game in a long time. Thanks to him. And uh, he, he tweeted a couple things for my benefit. He put up, a, he mocked up a shirt saying Jewish lives matter. And he says, when are we going to see something like this? And he was very nice about talking about anti-Semitism. But he says, uh, nothing surprises him anymore. All I know is I've been listening to Jeff and Julie move to France podcast while Humble and Fred were on hiatus. And if New York goes Republican for governor, we're enacting our five-year plan of Mike and Elizabeth move to St. Catherine's Niagara on the lake, <laughs> which I, I thought was very sweet. Uh, that's the old joke about Americans always threatening to move here. 
Yeah. Uh, there were a few others I just included quickly there that some people saying are really enjoying the France discussions lately. Taking my son there in January for university. Thanks for the notes at Hum How at Jeff Lumby. Uh, which is nice. It's nice to we mentioned that we both for Dan, uh, Dan and I have appeared on Jeff's uh, podcast, and it appears that as we predicted, as you can imagine, a lot of humble and Fred uh, Hundy P's are listening to it as well, and we certainly appreciate it. Hi guys. Hi guys. Hi guys. Hi guys. This email comes out of Calgary. We're over to the emails now, right? Yes, sir. Out of Calgary, Jeff Newman. Hi, guys. I was literally shoveling my driveway listening to the show when Freddie said, is it actually snowing in Calgary? I like you, Freddie, but fuck you. (laughs) And laugh out loud about Dan's dick being a musical, uh, being a musical. Uh, Funny shite. Uh, Enjoy your golfing, Howard. Uh, This is from uh, Jeff Newman in Calgary, who sent a a nice little Barney lives in, too, eh? Mm-hmm. And I say, and he sent us a picture of his driveway. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you caught, there was one significant part of that picture. I don't know if you saw it. It was in the foreground of it. And it was a Halloween decoration. Oh, right. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. And I, uh, it's funny because I usually say, I'm, all, I'm often reminded that Halloween in Saskatchewan and Alberta is a lot different than it was here. Mm-hmm. Especially when I was a kid. And the joke was you always had your costume over top of your uh, parka. And that's why, because it was fucking winter by October 31st. One other thing, too. You remember years ago they changed uh, fall back the clocks? It used to be prior to Halloween, so it got darker earlier for the trick-or-treaters. Now the clocks change after, and I just noticed that one hour of daylight shift to sort of change the schedule for trick-or-treaters as well. Uh, I'll take your word for it. I don't remember. Oh, yeah, it's very compelling. Please tell me more. Could you do me a favor? Could you tell me about time changes over the years and, like, when when they started? (laughs) 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 And you know what I'll do? I'll tell you the story of when it got foggy again. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, what? Tell me more about that sky. That was very dark. It got dark. Lovely picture. Hey, Humble and Fred. Great show yesterday. This is from Jennifer Kelly. And this, uh, I don't know how she got this impression. This is Jennifer who sent us this beautiful voicemail. And we even said, hey, why don't you be like Jennifer and start sending us voicemails? We'll play them. Uh She said, sending an email today. Because when I sent a voice note last time, Fred started to say he had a problem with it, but he never elaborated. So I don't want to offend. You know? No idea what that's about. Neither do I. I. I love that she did that. And I'm usually the one that's offensive. Anyway, just wanted to let you know that you can probably get, this is to me, I guess now, that you can get a credit from Air Canada for no in-flight entertainment service. I told the story of getting on the plane. People were freaking out because they you know, weren't going to be able to watch anything. And she says, you might want to uh, follow up on that. Happy to have you guys back. Hope you're feeling better, Howard. Take care. Now, Jen, here's something I will tell you. I did get a, they handed out a card at the end of the flight. And I'm going to go on Air Canada because you apparently can get a credit of something. I don't, I don't know what, but they did offer. Because you couldn't watch a movie? What's that worth? I, I don't know. Well, I'll tell you what. If you'd have heard the people on the plane, you'd have think they wanted their whole fucking money back. No, I get it. I get it. Like, it's not enough it. that we're going to fly you across an ocean. Right. But we also, you need to be able to watch Bullet Train. Or whatever the fuck was on there. No, I get it. 
And, you know, I can't be a hypocrite. I might be annoyed, too, if I had a long flight and it's like... But again, it's tough for me because I'd start watching it and fall asleep. That's all I do on planes is fall is sleep. Because so. you're like a big grandpa baby. All right. Hi, by, by the way, you know, when she said Fred started to say he had a problem with her voicemail or voice email. Or yeah, 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 yeah. That might be the thing that Delise often accuses me of. Fred, it's your tone. Well, I don't mean anything. But yeah, but it's your tone. Yeah, you got tone issues, man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, you definitely. I mean, I, you know, I mean, I can't, you know, look at it. I've lost track of the number of people that were offended by me when I didn't know it. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, like I may be, yeah. maybe better it. later in life, but yeah, I, 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 because I think we have resting asshole tone or whatever. Yes, maybe that's it. <laughs> maybe it is. Because I you? actually feel bad about that. I think, my goodness, I don't want anyone to feel that oh, way. And no. I, and, you know, you, you know, it's all, it's, it's genuine. I don't know what she's talking about. Disconcerting, I would say. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's Hi move guys. on. Let's move Hi on to guys. the next one from Chris F. Grave. F. F. Grave, I think. It says, Happy Halloween, Howard. Scott Turner did a great post today about when you and Fred hosted a Halloween bash back in 1992 with CFNY. Happy Halloween again from Chris. And uh, that's interesting. I Maybe Scott listens to the show because... Remember, I um, uh, presented or brought up or referred to that poster that I had seen somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Well, on on uh, about so, that event. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it was uh, Scott put it up on Twitter, and mm-hmm. it was very nice. By the way, you you know, you we often talk about some of the differences where we grew up in Saskatchewan, Ontario, and you know, I every year it comes up. We used to say ha- Halloween apples and I don't know why we just did, mm-hmm. but you also have a different, there's certain words, Halloween being one of them that yeah. you say differently than I do. Oh yeah. But I, that's yeah. I probably say it wrong. What do no, I say? No, no. You, 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 a lot of people say that here. I find it because I say Halloween. My accent's a little flatter. I say mm-hmm. Halloween and you do that ball. Same with balsamic vinegar, balsamic. You say oh, Halloween. Okay. Uh, there's a, there's a few words that, where your A's are softer than mine. They're more rounded. Halloween versus Halloween. Um, I just find that interesting. I mean, not as interesting as the sky when it got foggy. No, not nearly. <laughs> not nearly. Or not quite as interesting as, you know, the history of time change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, Hi guys. Hey, this, uh, read this Hi next guys. one. It's uh, about you anyway. Uh, this is uh, Martin Lai uh, ref- uh, referencing Dragon Man. Has Fred looked at this stuff? Like a free museum visit. I guess when you go to this website, Dragon Man, which I went to and I really haven't had time to deal with it yet. Dragon Man is a collector in Oklahoma. Fred can check online. It's World War II stuff, and I guess he was referring to my reluctance to go to the World War II uh, museum in New Orleans because I didn't want to be annoyed by the over over the top Americanization uh, of it. Yeah. Well, and thanks for I'm sure would be the situation. And we appreciate uh you know that you know just checking in and uh, making sure we're okay. You know the world wars were a collective uh, accomplishment defending uh, freedom and the United States not more than anyone else. No. Although, you know, they think they did. Uh, this is uh from uh Tony Tony, just Tony says uh the subject line sucking on it. Hi guys. Says Tony. 
I found this product called a deep throat trainer, and it's made by a company in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And there's a click there. I I didn't click on it. I did invent. I included it in the email here on the, on the document. But he says finally a useful invention, and uh, I don't know. Uh, so yeah, I guess it's to train people to better mm-hmm. able to uh, knob gobble. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a trainer. You slowly but surely learn mm. to yeah. you know. gobble knobs better. That's right. It's a lot of things. That's, that's what it is. And they're out there. I mean, there's products for everyone. Mm-hmm. The you know. perfect Valentine's Day gift. <laughs> Although, is it, you know, if you give that to somebody and you're basically saying, you know, you could do this better. I mean, I, I, I've had some experience uh, having had that perform. Usually pretty good. You know, I don't. I don't know if I would say to somebody, hey, here, you might want to brush up on your technique. Happy uh, Valentine's Day, doll. You're disgusting. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. Hey, doll, I've got you a training session uh, with the deep throat trainer. And she would just look at you I'm, and be like, I'm, I'm a grandmother now. I don't need any of your, any of your grief. Hi, guys. Uh, okay, okay. This Hi comes guys. from Carl Barrett, Fred. Hi, guys. Have been listening to your European adventure plans and past trips while at our place in Spain for a few weeks. Oh, cool. Fred, yeah. to Spain. Uh, you will not regret it. And Howard, you should also look into it. My advice, start in Barcelona and then head south. We're on the... Uh, Costa Calida, just above the Costa del Sol. And the people and beaches are amazing. Try a little Spanish, and the locals will love you. We're in a Spanish village five minutes from the water. Sorry for the long email. We love it. And if you ever want to try southern Spain, let me know. Loving you. It's funny, I read that last week, and then I started doing a little uh, research. And uh, it's not the best place in the middle of the winter, you know, if you want, like, January, February. It's like Carolina weather. So if you're looking for something, you know, around 60, low 60s, it's great. But if you want warmer, uh, their sort of off-season is somewhat cool. Yeah. Not like here. No, no, I get it. Uh, you know, it's funny because I read that email uh, mm-hmm. when it came in last week while we were gone. And then I was putting them all together i read it again this morning and all i could think of is this guy wants is this guy offering us his place in spain <laughs> that's what it sounded like to me we had one guy offer portugal did I we still have his email. yeah if you ever because here's the thing if somebody says if you ever want to try southern spain let me know okay carl how about we try it at he your probably, place <laughs> probably owns a travel agency <laughs> who offered us portugal remember that friend of pete cuno's accommodations yeah yeah i do i don't remember that is that recent did that oh, happen recently three or, three or four years ago now okay was that when the the old time change or the new time change uh this is from andy kale who says hi guys you were talking a few weeks ago about hockey penalties and how you think it's odd that the penalized team gets a break by being able to ice the puck. Yeah, we had this discussion. He says, I'm at a tournament in Michigan now for my stepson. He's 14 years old. And the rule in, uh, in their league is minor penalties are 130, not two minutes, but with no icing. Mm. It adds a nice twist. I think that's an interesting rule. Mm-hmm. That would be interesting to put, because what mm-hmm. it does then, it, it forces, it puts pressure on the defending team mm-hmm. to get it out of their end without have, being able to just whip it down the ice. Mm-hmm. How would you think that might be an interesting uh, wrinkle in the NHL? 
Absolutely. Yeah. I'm open to anything like that that makes it a little more adventurous. Absolutely. I mean, I think the teams would balk at it only because it would basically tire you. just get tired and put more. Well, that. Because I think our original uh, conversation was on a two-minute penalty, number one, why can you ice it? Number two, why does the guy come off when you score? Right. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he says, uh, Andy, I thought I'd pass it along. Happy, safe travels, and God bless. Hi God guys. bless you, my friend. God bless you. Hi, guys. And the irony there a bit is, as far as tired, getting tired, a five-minute major in the NHL, if you score, the guy doesn't come on. And you're, yeah, and you're, and you, you're shorthanded for all those five minutes. Mm-hmm. This is Dave Ryan. Just a quick note with regards to the tipping conversations. Do you realize that the tipping per- percentage is on the total bill, not before taxes? At least that was my experience at a restaurant here in Ottawa. It's not a big deal for me because I always tip on the tax unless the service is extremely poor because it only ends up being about a dollar extra, which is true. Uh, but some of us who are a little more stringent with our cash might want to keep an eye on that. Uh, thanks for uh, thanks for listening to this and have a great weekend, Dave Ryan. Well, just go to the. I, I did not realize that. I, no, I don't know what he means. Do you realize that the tipping percentage is on the total bill, not the? But yeah, yeah, usually it is. If I get a bill for one hundred and twenty dollars that includes taxes, I'll usually give whatever percentage based on the one twenty. Yeah. See, I don't. Yeah, I know. I do it on before taxes. Um, and it's interesting, by the way, if you're having trouble figuring out the tip, basically the, the taxes on bills are about 13%. So you just add a little bit more on top of that. If it's a 15, but now this, when we were in, uh, <laughs> in New Orleans, to all get onto this 20% thing, I said, where did this come from? Oh, come on, leave 20%. Anyway. You know what? You She's may, dragging me into the. I know. Well, you know what, dude? You've only you've got limited time left. You know, uh, in Europe, uh, in France, where we were, Paris, and in the countryside, it's not tipping isn't uh, expected. It really is a, a in all the Paris restaurants. You know, you and a couple times it's happened where they. They gave us the bill. We did the whole thing with our cards. And I said, oh, I, I wanted to leave a tip. Oh, well, you know, you, you know, either cash or you have to actually make a, a special. They don't they don't assume you're going to tip them. Right. In some of those places, too, did you watch have service charges anyway or or table charges? Or uh, I noticed that when I was there. Some of the restaurants. Uh, I didn't in, notice in Italy, it, especially. Maybe. Yeah. In Italy, we would look and think, wow, you know, there'd be the board out front with the thing. I'd say, geez, that sounds good and it's reasonable. But then you'd read the fine print. It was like a 40 euro charge just to sit down. So they can get you that way. Yeah, I didn't have that experience, but I will say it, it became like, oh, yeah, we're going to just take some cash and tip on top of it. But I, I just thought it was interesting. You know, you know, in, in downtown Paris, it's like being in a, you know, it's a huge city and they're not expecting you to tip them unless you thought the service was extraordinary. Uh, we would like to say thank you to everyone. Uh, Humble and Fred at HumbleandFredRadio.com. Every Thursday, this is what we do. If you want to have your voices heard, including if you want to leave us a voice note, please go ahead and feel free. We don't know where that came from because we all... Yeah, that would, that would be fun. Yeah, and we like it. It's fun. What were you going to say? Mm-hmm. No, I was going to say I told you the story about where we're at now with prices and everything. I was at Lionhead the other day and bought a round of 
the actual bar grill area wasn't open. So in the cooler in the clubhouse or whatever you call it, um, they had the cooler with beer. So I went and bought around, and it was three tall boys, not super tall boys, regular tall boys. And the guy said to me, 33-something. I said, what? These are $11 each? And he goes, oh, I know, sir. You don't have to tip me. You don't have to tip me. He said that Aww. to me. So, of course, I tipped him for that. But he, but he felt bad. Because, and again, I can't remember. Like, I was at Kaladin a couple of weeks ago, and, you know, tall boys were like seven fifty eight bucks. You get your head around that. That's what the going rate is. And we were at Lionhead, I believe, last year. I don't remember a tall boy being 11 bucks. So, again, it gets me thinking to this whole uh, greedflation thing. And it's just weird. Like... You know, what? what is this, Scotiabank Arena now? Mm. Lionhead, like 11 bucks. Yeah, give me some perspective, like because I had asked you this when you were telling yeah. me before the show, because, you know, obviously I don't, I don't buy a lot of beer. Although I do, mm-hmm. but, you know, the weird thing is I buy beer for other people. I'm, I'm still part of right. the culture, but I don't have a perspective on what it would a Okay, Scotiabank aside, what, if I go to a typical bar, what's a, what's a normal tall boy? Like eight bucks, well, seven like a bucks, sixteen nine ounce bucks. beer would be seven or eight bucks. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, if you get a premium craft beer or something, they can push ten bucks, but often they're like twenty ounce. It just seems in a can, out of a cooler, a guy, you know, not really being served as a waiter. Eleven bucks just seems a bit steep. Like how did how did it get from eight to eleven? And I know everybody's costs have gone up, but. And again, you pay it, and that's what it is. It's your decision, do it or don't do it. But it's just another indication of how it seems every time you're checking out now, it's like, wow. How about uh, if you were at a place, say, Kelsey's, uh, and you wanted a tall boy, a 16-ounce draft? You know, I don't know if you heard the commercial. I just said six bucks. Yeah, well, that's a bad example because Kelsey's is, you know. But I'm saying for $6, you can go to Kelsey's and get a nice tall boy. It's almost free. That's what I'm thinking. Next time on that lion head, I won't get the beer that will drive down the road to Kelsey. Just go to Kelsey's? Yeah. Six bucks hmm. for a 16-ounce draft? I mean, that's what you want to pay. Yeah. I get it. But uh, I think All that's right. really sort of sweet. The guy said, you don't have to t- I know it's a lot of money. You don't have to tip me. I know, again, I wish I had some perspective. Of, you know, I, I, it's, I will say it's funny because I just haven't bought booze in so long. Uh, back to Lumby in France, and Jeff's a uh, not only is he a, a great do-it-yourself guy and a master carpenter and all this other shit, but he a few years ago he got interested in wine, and unlike most people, you know, he just said I I want to learn more about it, and he became like a level three sommelier, like he knows everything about it, and he was telling me some of the wines he drinks there are like two and three euro a bottle for mm-hmm. yeah really good wine. Nice like regional, like some and some famous brands too. But I, I you know, here and from what I remember, you know, you don't start getting a decent bottle of wine here until you're spending like twenty bucks or twenty five bucks or I don't know. But aren't they? You know, there's if you again you do your research and you have some idea of what to look for. There are ten and twelve dollar bottles. Oh, absolutely. There. There's tons of yeah. them. But uh, yeah. three euro is. Six dollars Canadian or so, mm-hmm. and uh, and I said we we actually on one of the places we went and had lunch with Jeff and Julie was a uh, near a winery that they like. It was about a half an hour from where they live, and uh, we popped in. He bought a case of wine, some nice wine from the local vineyard, and uh, just 
the whole life, the whole lifestyle is pretty sweet. Um, let's not uh, linger any longer here, Freddie, because there's other things uh, we need to let people know about. Uh, and why don't you start uh, with this important message? Uh, the retirement Sherpa. Tim wasn't on the show yesterday, as uh, we mentioned. He was out, uh, you know, learning more, researching more. He was at some kind of a conference, becoming more knowledgeable about, you know, the subject that he's all over investing. Tim, a portfolio manager. Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund. Licensed on both sides of the border. Tim is your guy. Several Humble and Fred listeners over the years have come over to the Sherpa side and the results and the reaction have been fabulous. Why not? Again, very knowledgeable. Great demeanor. He's the type of guy you're around him. You think, yeah, I trust him. Feel good being in his nest, so to speak. RetirementSherpa.ca It's a Steely Dan song I haven't played in a while. We were talking about drinking, so I thought, oh. Black cow. Hey, uh, you mentioned a retirement Sherpa is one of the people that supports this program. How about our good friends at GoDaddy? I'll tell you right now, we've been hearing lots about the GoDaddy experience. Powering small business and entrepreneurs for over 25 years, servicing over 20 million customers worldwide. GoDaddy is where people come to get a domain, create a website, and everything else you need to get your business online. 24-7 phone support. That's right. A human being will speak into your ear and uh, give you some help. They're there to help you every step of the way. You can even start your website for free with GoDaddy today and try it out, man. No credit cards even required. Visit GoDaddy.ca to learn more. Uh, you mentioned uh, Twitter and uh, all the stuff that's going on with Elon Musk. I love that uh, line of Jimmy Kimball's. He gone from the electric guy to a electric car guy to a fully formed piece of shit he really has it's just unbelievable in the last you know i'm a big twitter guy in the last four or five days you know i'm i'm not a you know they you know this controversy around the blue check mark i'm which we're not yes yeah and i really don't understand much of it i mean all that big celebrities were blue check marked certified or verified and i guess that was to indicate that they were actually who they said they were and then he floated the idea, Elon Musk did, of uh, charging people $20 to be blue-checked certified. And then Stephen King pushed back and said, fuck you, that's ridiculous. Because his point is, we're actually on here, the people that are sort of blue-checked, whatever, verified, <laughs> providing content. You know, Because, you know, basically, I follow Stephen King, so his content is something I, I'm exposed to. So now Elon Musk is saying, well, okay, that'll be $8 a month. And uh, I don't know, like, again, back to this article I read this morning that maybe Twitter isn't as important as it thinks, it's, it, thinks it is in terms of the grand scheme of things. Because your grandkids, who are nine and six, will never be on Twitter. They will probably be on TikTok if it's still around or something like it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know where all that's going to go now either. It's You would almost think someone like that would come along and like clean it up, but it looks like it's going to go the other way. 
Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know much about Elon Musk. I mean, I... I had a chance to drive a Tesla for the first time a couple of weeks ago, courtesy of evnet.ca, and I'm telling you, you know, I, you can say what you want about how I've heard that, you know, they don't think those cars are well-made. I, I disagree. It was, a, it was a pretty great experience. Oh, yeah. You know, a good story, a uh, uh, local uh, sports story I've heard recently uh, regarding Twitter, William Nylander of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, he's one of those Leafs that, you know, he's a talented young player, but, he, you know, he's um, sort of a punching bag for a lot of Leaf fans. Should have traded him. I don't know if you're aware of this. Um, readily criticized and probably not deserved. You know, last two years in the playoffs, he's been their best player. Anyway, he made the point, whenever he's out in Toronto walking his dog, everybody to a person is nice to him. Hi, William. How are you? Hey, right. Have a good game, William. And yet on Twitter, it's nothing but vitriol and, and, and insults. And it just, you know, it just exposes the whole Twitter thing that people behind, behind, hide behind their keyboards and how rotten they can be. Those same people face to face to the people they're attacking would be, oh, hi, how are you? You know, just so two faced. That's what Twitter is. It's you know, well, all of it's out. You know, yeah. any any mm-hmm. place that comments are allowed, and, and this will tie <laughs> into this Jerry Larry thing. Yeah, but I'll just just because of the the nature of comments behind a keyboard. You know, I I don't mm-hmm. know where I read something recently similar to what you just said that the things we are comfortable saying, commenting now first of all we would have never been that way 20 years ago even you know there was another story i wanted to bring up Uh, even because when you used to have to write a letter to somebody Mm -hmm. and man you kind of taught me this but you know when you when you're when you're angry with someone and you go to write them a letter it take there's there's time for it to to you to work your way through it and even say to yourself should i send this well, that 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 filter time is all gone now because I can just quickly comment and not really think about it. And sometimes it's happened to all of us where, you know, I've made a comment and forgot about it mm-hmm. and then go back later and go, oh, shit, why have I got 17 notifications here? Oh, that's right. I said something. And I, I don't even, not even bad or good, just something. Right. Right. But, Yeah. It's just the nature of that beast and another reason why it's a wonderful idea and what could be a wonderful tool is, and it is on many levels, is also just nasty and harmful. Well, it is. And what made me, it's funny, we're talking about this now because I had written it down to talk to you guys about it, Dan. There was an ad, I think they're called ad, adverts. (laughs) There was a television commercial whilst I was watching the news last night, and it was for a company called Stamps.com. And I know you all have heard of it. And I was uh, sitting there thinking two things. When was the last time that anyone bought stamps? And B, when is the last time you had to mail something? I I don't know. You probably could come up with an example or two. But it's hard to remember. I mean, I, I can't. I don't know when's the last time I mailed something on, to somebody. You know, even our taxes now. You know, you, you can just scan them and our accountant has all the information. I never send them anything anymore. No, I, I, I can't. All, all I would say is 
out of this house would be Christmas cards. That would be it. How about you, Danny? The last time I mailed something was to my uh, my health plan. It's they're still stuck in the uh, the ancient ways. So I had to mail them the form. <laughs> the ancient ways. You make it sound like they're druids. I well, to, oh. I I've asked and they're slowly, you know, it's expensive to convert to a computer system where you can file it online, I guess. So anyway, I, uh, I, um, I had to borrow a stamp from Lisa because she happened to have some for her work somewhere at the bottom of a pile. Yeah. And she and gave that, me in two the same, stamps. In the same drawer with the elastic bands and some other yeah. twist ties and shit. Yeah, what exactly, yeah. 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 So like half uh, a pencil in there, stamps. a pencil sharpener, yeah. Yeah, I've lost one of the stamps. Of I don't course. even know how much it costs to mail us. Uh, I have no idea. Anymore. I think it's over a buck, isn't it? No idea. And this, um, this whole concept now, too, which is really cut back on mail, Remember, there used to be stuff that, yeah, you could email documents back and forth, but if something needed to be signed, you know, there was a time when you had to sign it and put it in the mail because they needed the original signed copy. Well, now they have this whole e-sign. DocuSign, and I I don't know who decided that's legal or okay or would stand up in a, a court of law. I imagine it would, but... We've got to that point. I did some last week for some insurance, and I was like, wow, this is interesting. You click on this thing, and it says mm-hmm. Fred Patterson, and now this, now this policy is mine. It's like, I guess, okay. Well, I'm glad to, ha- I'm, I'm glad to hear you guys say that, because I, I thought, mm-hmm. well, I'll, I'll say, well, when's the last time you mailed something? And you'd be, I'd be like, well, we mail stuff all the time. But because uh, I think I'm the last person that doesn't do anything. So, but stamps.com exists because somebody's mailing something. But I just was reminded that in, in, in the beginning of my radio career, like you think about our career together, as I mentioned, people used to mail us complaints about the show, the Catholic yeah. or whatever league that used to hate me, but they mm-hmm. would mail their complaints. So in our time together, mail was still an issue. We would open up mail. We would read listener mail as opposed to the emails we just read. But in night, go ahead. Oh, no, no, go ahead. So in 1977, even before I met Dan, I started working mm-hmm. at that radio station. 1978, I was doing evenings in Moose Jaw, and we had a contest. It's called the High School Spirit Contest. And somewhere it made the trades because what went in, remember, CHAB in Moose Jaw, even though it was southern Saskatchewan, because of the nature of the province and, and 800 AM is a clear channel, we would have listeners all over Saskatchewan. And in fact, an, a high school from north of Saskatoon sent in, the idea was the high school that sent in the most mailed entries got a, one of those uh, mobile road shows. You know, and come to your high school and put on a dance. <laughs> and we had, guys, hundreds of, I'm going to say hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands of entries from kids that mailed entries to a radio station. Yeah. You knew nothing. You knew nothing else. Well, was it our, I think this, it was something Darren was like did a promotion. Was it us or did he do it at Q where you had to mail the egg through the, when we started, it was, uh, was yeah. it us? Oh, yeah, okay. it was you and I. Yeah. Yeah. Like just think about that, that whole Radio promotion was built around the mail. You had to mail an egg to Humble and Fred, and then those that didn't get broken qualified for the prize or whatever. That's right. However, yeah. it worked. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and, and again, again, it's, it's funny because so 1977, a contest built entirely, entirely, entirely around the nail, when in, um, entirely around the mail. And then you and I in 1989, the idea was a new morning, the birth of a new morning show, whatever his concept was. It was great. But that was, again, a, a mail in contest. And then somewhere when email came along and people could comment on the show in real time is when we first started seeing some, you know, real criticism. Yeah. No, exactly. You're right. The, that real-time stuff, yeah. You, what, what while they, you're doing the show. While you're doing the show. A lot of it came from a right. Dan Giebert, and I never understood why <laughs> he was so critical of us. Yeah. Uh, on the mail thing, it works the other way, too, I've noticed lately, because you get so much email, and you do and I do. But I try to be a good citizen and go paperless, right? But now I'm getting bills online, and I have such a, so many, like my Enbridge, I didn't pay last month. Like, it came in online, and I just missed it. So then I get my next one, it's like, what? How can that be? How can it be that much? And then I look, I missed last month because I don't get it in the mail anymore where I actually go, oh, there's my gas bill. If I get a whack of emails one day and I just, for whatever reason, just miss that one. So it, I'm, I, 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 I've experienced a few problems that way. The, the great convenience has actually been a detriment in some. <laughs> uh, that's happened to all of us, I think, where you yeah, kind of go, yeah. I don't, did I not pay this? Uh, you know, because what mm-hmm. I do when I pay it is I actually have a Gmail label for household household bills paid so i know that i have paid it but i've done that where it's it's just mm-hmm. come and gone in a somewhere mm-hmm. down in the email stream it gets to you know down there yeah. in the whatever to the second well, or third page idea. what's that yeah household household bills paid that's a good idea because yeah. i just i put them all in just you know suppliers all my suppliers i just put everything in there that's a good idea. I have to think about that one. Mm-hmm. It's all crunch. It's all. I'm all. I got lots. You know what of astonishes me? I got all kinds what of those ideas. You know, that <laughs> that what we're talking about, you know, document is it, delivery. Do want, is the sky foggy? Sky astonishing, or is it the time it's change? Astonishing as well. It's, it's still foggy. It's cold. But here's the thing: we, we, anything to do with the medical profession still seems to be stuck in the fax ages. You have to, they, they fax things to each other. You have yes. to fax stuff. That's true. And I did ask the question, like when, you know, like I, I don't know anybody who has a fax machine anymore. Like I can't fax you anything. I haven't got a fax machine. What, oh. like what, what is it? What is the deal? But apparently email is not secure enough, which, oh, well, if that's the problem, then why isn't there some sort of legislation or something to make email secure, like figure out that problem? You know, end-to-end encryption or something. I don't understand. Well, I've been in a situation a couple of times where they've asked for faxes, and I say, same thing. I don't want to have a fax machine, but can I scan an email? And they say, yes. Mm -hmm. I haven't really run into somebody that has said, no, you can't do that for security reasons. But again, all my medical stuff is... You know, I I just haven't found myself in that situation yet, so that's good to know. Well, Dan's uh, so much older, you know, he's probably has to mimeograph a few things. Hey, Dan, could you mimeograph that and just give me both mimeograph. carbon? Could you give me all the carbon copies yeah. of your mimeograph, please, Dan? And that would be that would be great. Cost of insurance and liability and probability. Now, uh, Mister Gibert, with your profile, we're not sure we could insure that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And <laughs> Nick joke. 
and scene. And uh, well, that only took an hour and 18 minutes before we got yeah. to the first Dan Duran dick joke. That means it's yeah. time for. No. Here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hell of a big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchor man, comes as for credentials. He has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchor man's here. He's prone to falling off his chair, but he's got a big wang, so he don't care, and his voice is nice and low. My voice is nice and low. Dan Duran's news today brought to you by Aaron Ventures, our good friend Tim Daniels, his mining company. We want you to check out Aaron Ventures online and uh, and find out what's going on in the world of boron mining. You'll be surprised at how many things in your life are uh, surrounded by and created for and with boron. You were going to say something there, Poops? I was going to say, you might want to play that little recorded thing right now, and then I'll finish off with uh, the oh, O-Dog. Oh, fantastic. Right. Please stand by mm-hmm. for uh, Dan Duran's news. Cursing during your commute again. Do you find yourself living at work instead of working from home? Couldn't this have been an email? When it feels like all that's left is work hard. You know it's time to play. It's easy to find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Play free casino games, get poker tips, and check out the latest sports odds. Visit Bodog.net today. Hashtag make a play. Why don't you do it after the uh, news here? We're yes, that, have, we, that was the point. Yeah, okay. Yes. Well, we got lots of time, too. Separation, yeah. eh? Separation. I got it. And we haven't even uh, gotten to Toronto Mike and uh, uh, a chance for you to meet Toronto Mike in person tonight. Rare. And get his autograph and such. <laughs> but first, here's Dan Duran with news and views live from uh, Liz West's basement. You may be drinking great-great-great-grandpa's goo in your water. I bring your attention to gravesite pollution. Now, each single burial plot is like a mini-pollution nightmare. There's uh, chemicals, pharmaceuticals, hazardous uh, materials from medical devices and bacteria, not to mention, according to the uh, Green Burial Council, 20 million feet of varnished wood and 1.6 million tons of concrete that are placed in the ground annually. And this is the U.S. figures. The uh, worst gravesite pollutant is embalming fluid. Mm. It's a chemical cocktail of formaldehyde, uh, methanol, and ethanol. And last year alone, American burials deposited 4.5 million gallons of this toxic cancer-causing preservative, about three gallons per body, per body into the soil. That's not healthy. And there, there hasn't been enough study on this, but there has been some small, uh, in small studies. Uh, for example, research on old burial grounds in New York and Iowa detected unusually high levels of arsenic. And that is a subject of uh, a substance that was outlawed in embalming fluid in 1910. Mm. So that's making its way into water tables and aquifers. Uh, and, and as I also found this interesting, we generally didn't do this kind of thing until um, the Civil War in the United States, which uh, soldiers were dying far away from home. So they trying to figure out a way to, to uh, preserve the bodies until they got them home. Mm. So they wouldn't, you know, deteriorate before they were buried. What's, uh, remind me again, what side did you fight for? Because <laughs> you're because you just found out how old was, you were yesterday. Yeah, did you? I was, I was against the slaves. I was okay, good. You were slaves. against the slaves. 
Yeah, well, I appreciate that. Slaves, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so you were actually for the end of slavery. Good job. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, what I was fighting for. Okay, well, here's the thing. I, I just want to let you go, Dan. Good job. <laughs> Good job, Colonel Dan. Dan, let me just jump in, if I may. I, You know, when I've thought this recently, that this is such an antiquated... If we had... He wanted to solve uh, housing and homeless, get rid of all these churches, and then get rid of all these cemeteries. We don't need them anymore. The cemetery thing is done. Here's what it, get everyone, make it a law. You have to be cremated, and then you're packed in a little canister. And then what they do is, you know those T-shirt cannons you see at games? Mm-hmm. You just fucking, <laughs> you just T-shirt cannon your loved ones into the fucking atmosphere. Get them off the planet. I mean, it would have to be a powerful T-shirt cannon, maybe a bazooka. But bazooka that stuff into the sun, get it out. Love it. I see, some, I see some problems with all of that, of course. You know, the, the cremation part, you're creating, uh, you know, greenhouse gases because yeah. you're, you're, you're burning. And if you, you know, blast, a, you know, body parts into the sky, that's isn't that there's carbon in there as well. Wouldn't that be something uh, yeah, you know, they would have the to leave the atmosphere? They're just coming back down. Come on. Oh, right. Rain over everything. Okay. Um, although down in New Orleans, too, I'll tell you, it's just weird looking at those above ground cemeteries. It almost looks like somebody has set something up for Halloween, but they haven't. Yes. It's real. Yeah. It's real. All those crypts and, and above ground tombs. And it's just, and they're so weathered and broken and it's just fucking creepy, man. Well, they can't do, they can't bury there, can they? Because no. the, the water table is so high. Yeah. It's below, so, yeah. it's below sea level. Yeah. So every time there's a flood, you got grandpa yeah. floating around. Yeah. Well, it's disgusting. Let's get, you know, we got, you know, this isn't, there's got to be a solution that doesn't include all this land that churches are on for tax. No, they're not paying any taxes. I know you, you've said that before, but it's, I mean, I don't know where I saw a, a, another cemetery. I thought, you know, really, do we need that? Is that really? Well, I agree. Churches in the winter should not, they should not be able to lock their doors. Homeless people should just be able to go in and out. Like they talk about shelters and everything. What about all these churches locked? Exactly. Days a week. There should be, uh, churches should be open. There should be a soup on all the time. Oh, here comes super liberal Mike Boone. Mike, what do you want to say? No, I'll just say that if we're getting rid of the cemeteries, we can get rid of all those golf courses everywhere too. That's a lot of land. Being oh, Jesus, that's blasphemy. Mike, I'm going to pretend that you didn't say that. You <laughs> fucking, you super commie, you. No, you, hey, listen, I saw that article. I saw the same, I saw him on the same Twitter feed as you. Yeah, listen, there's a case to be made for that. I mean. Really? Well, I'm not. I many to worry about, well, really. It, here's the thing, though. In the city of Toronto, the public golf course system, which is among the best in North America, I don't know if you knew that, a lot of the golf courses are on land that they couldn't build houses on, the Don Valley being a perfect example, and there's Scarlet Woods over here near Eglinton. There's a bunch of courses in the city that are would basically be unusable for housing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, let's get rid of you. I'll tell you what, Boone, you get for one, every one of your stupid churches, you know, we'll get rid of one hole at Don Valley. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs>
You know, maybe a you know maybe a compromise, Howard. I heard uh, Will Arnett uh, beating the drum for the twelve hole golf course uh, again last week. And remember, that was a thing for a while. They actually talked about maybe building twelve hole golf courses. I, I don't hear about it anymore, but maybe that's a good compromise. Well, they're doing it someplace. I, back to this idea that I've I, you'd never heard of called Top Golf, but it's basically mm-hmm. it's it's to make the golf experience uh, more you know for the younger demos. Mm-hmm. You know. And and it doesn't take five hours to do. It's a couple hour experience. They serve, you know, booze and stuff. And uh, anyway, yeah, maybe they should allow uh, golfing in churches. Dan, they should, that's a great idea. Let's set up some simulators inside churches yeah. and, and, and then, let the homeless learn. Mm-hmm. Right. I'll go in yeah. and teach the homeless. You know what they say? Teach a man to fish and he'll golf forever. <laughs> the homeless can caddy. Or maybe we should get some of those, you know, those priests, you know, the bad ones, put them out in the middle of a driving range. Yeah. And and just take, you know. That's a great idea. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So let's see. What is the most ridiculous thing said? Priests are going to be working the ball picking machine, but without the cage. Or (laughs) only those bad priests. Only only the the bad bad ones. Which is is a lot. Yeah. Or a very good amount. Uh, Or is it shooting your loved one's remains into the atmosphere with a (laughs) T-shirt cannon? I don't know. Pick one. Mm -hmm. And people say we talk about politics too much. Come on, folks. (laughs) Um, Dan, do you have a second story? Because I do. I do. Uh Oh, hang on, everyone. With more news and views from Liz West Palatial East End uh, Bungalow. Here's Dan Durant. Parliamentary procedure can be fun to watch. Now in Ontario, there's a big debate about school teachers. Their contracts come up and the Ford government is pushing through anti-strike legislation. So the NDP yesterday had 18 members get kicked out of the legislature by the Speaker of the House. Now, it all got started with an exchange with Peter Tabbins, and uh, he will be named. Speaker, when will the Premier and his ministers stop lying about the damage they're doing to the education system? Order. 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 The member will withdraw his unparliamentary comment. I will not withdraw. I'm telling the truth. They're lying. Take his seat. The member will take his seat. Speaker. Speaker. Order. I will ask the member once again to withdraw his unparliamentary comment. My remarks were accurate and true. Ministers are lying. You will be named. Mr. Tabbins, you are named. You must leave the chamber for the day. You got kicked out. You got a timeout. You got a chamber timeout. You will be named. You are named and you have to have a timeout. Well, aren't we fucking lucky? I never even heard of that term before. Yeah, I mean, what a strange way of getting pinned I'm going to na- na- name you. You are named. You are Dan. Yeah. Can I ask this question? Well, yes. Um, you know, um, negotiation is all strategy. Who thought it was a good idea to ask for 11% right on the heels of COVID when kids have just a year ago missed all kinds of school and had to have in-home learning and stuff? So, who thought it was a good... Yeah, 
Now that everybody's back to school and we're a little bit back, let's ask for 11% and shut the schools again. Like, what kind of strategy is that? Why wouldn't they, like, even just extend your current contract for a year and wait till it dies down a bit? But But 11% is pretty aggressive in an economy where the inflation rate is what it is. And for the average person in a regular job, uh, they're not getting 11 points. It's just such lousy, lousy strategy. It's like, and and you think that, whose side do you think the public's on right now? Well, let's ask the public. Mike's the only one with uh, school-age kids. Mike, what's your thoughts? My thoughts is I'm glad that I pay for the YMCA before and after school care because I'm sending my kids to YMCA Friday. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of sympathy for these uh, members, these, these teacher assistants and people who are going out. There's a lot of sympathy in this neighborhood. Well, absolutely. And I get it. You know, maybe they are underpaid. I'm just talking strategic. That's all. It's like now. Like, why would you do that now? Because it just seems like... Just bad timing. Like, my goodness. Yeah, maybe. Um, and it's 11% a year for four years. So we're talking at the end of four years about 40%. Like, who can digest that? Uh, like, and, and Mike's right. I mean, they, all the points are they are being underpaid, and they, are ha- they have been traditionally. Uh, but, uh, yeah, maybe now is not the best time at this juncture. But uh, I think we all learned something there, which is if you're bad in Parliament, you get named and you get the day off. Mm-hmm. They call that day off with name. That's a, it's, a, it's a great contest they're doing at the government level. Fantastic. Do you guys want to hear this uh, Jerry Seinfeld clip? Yes, sir. Oh, right. Yeah, we talked about that earlier. Yeah, so uh, this came up on my feed. It was 15 years ago, November 1st, so a couple days ago, 2007. So this is not quite 10 years after jerry's show ended you should also know that uh, larry king who was legendary and i i loved him thought he was a great talk show host for a long time but was legendary for having never done any research (laughs) he didn't like to read the books that he was interviewing the authors and his whole point was i want to i want to learn about it like the audience learns about it so here's larry and jerry and uh the exchange that uh you're about to hear. I said, how long? Nine years. 180 episodes. You gave it up, right? I did. Sir. They didn't cancel you. You canceled them. You're not aware of this? No, I'm, I'm asking you. You think I got canceled? Are you under the impression I, that I, I got canceled? You, I hurt you, Jerry? I thought don't, that was pretty well documented. Don't this is, most a, shows is this still down. CNN? Don't most shows go down a little? Most people do also. You would, but... <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I went off the air. I was the number one show on television, Larry. You were Do you know who I am? <laughs> Jewish guy, Brooklyn. Yes. Okay. 75 million viewers last okay. episode. Why you? Don't it take like it so canceled. bad. Well, that's a, a big difference between being canceled and being number one. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll be right back. Jeez. B-movie opens... <laughs> B movie. Open. A resume in here for B-movie. That's my favorite line. My favorite line is he says to the crew, "Can we get a resume in here for Larry?" Now I've seen that clip many times. It's kind of legendary in the mm-hmm. Seinfeld world. I've seen it before. And the reason I wanted to bring it up again, though, is the difference between the reaction that got originally and the reaction it's getting now through this filter of. As you said yesterday, this culture, the shift to being a bit more woke and sympathetic mm-hmm. and empathetic. And I got to tell you, the reaction in the Twitter feed is just 
is so filled with fucking anti-Jerry Seinfeld. From what Except, perspective? It was a bad... It, well, Seinfeld... Here's a, here's a t- first... Uh, Here's a here's a one of the first reactions. Seinfeld would have been good, so good if Jerry wasn't on the show. The rest of the cast was hysterical, but Jerry Seinfeld is so mm-hmm. annoying. Yeah, you know it's called fucking Seinfeld, don't you? Um, oh yeah, it goes on and on. Uh, guys, awfully cocky for starring in a slightly funnier version of Friends. What? What? <laughs> it's literally considered the best sitcom of all time, and Friends right. was, Friends is pretty good. But uh, I, I'm going to tell you, it's, it's interesting. And where is this? Where are you reading those comments all, all from? All on Twitter. Oh, okay. And, and what I, I mean, I wanted to bring it up because I think that the clip is funny. But, you know, Mike, you know what I'm talking about? How The, the clip the, is hilarious. Maybe there's some generational thing there. That's where what it is. Yeah. The, the, our generation that grew up with sarcasm and Letterman. And it's one of the reasons I like Kimmel as well. Because Kimmel is, bike, is kind of like on the Letterman you know, scale of, of being ironic and not mm. taking yourself super seriously. But the reaction, Mike, yeah, is, is I, that's a great word, um, generational. You know, Howard, when you were going to play, is, is that not the same interview where you told Larry uh, had bad breath? No, I, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that. I think that's a different one. But um, oh, that's a different, because I, I thought you were going to play that one. Honestly, where he said he told Larry he had bad breath and it was like, I'm just, you can't tell someone they have bad breath on television. But that was a shocking moment, actually, when he did that. Yeah, I, I don't. I, maybe this is part of the same interview. Here's another one. My, he says, and this is what I agree. Somebody who is supporting Jerry says, my favorite Seinfeld moments are the ones where he lets his inner Larry David slip through. It affirms that they have, it affirms that they have very similar worldviews just presented in different ways. And I think that's actually brilliant because the reason that Seinfeld works is because Larry only appears to be somewhat, I would say, a bit more acceptable than Larry David's character, right? Because Larry, that's the whole thing about Curb is that Larry David is just... Yeah, it's a, the, I think... I think George Costanza is Larry David. Of course. Right? So, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. So all the, yeah, the Larry perspective is through. But, uh, but don't kid yourself. Jerry had that perspective just presented differently. And I'll tell you, I'm, mm-hmm. I said this about Curb from the first moment I saw it. I said, Curb is Seinfeld if it was about George. Right. Right. But anyway, I just thought it was interesting. That clip is very funny. To me, it's funny. The, don't you know? <laughs> don't you know who I am? And then again, Larry, you could see it kind of took Larry by surprise because poor Larry was just kind of like making. Remember, he's not prepared. He's just making conversation. Right. And, when, and Larry says to him or Jerry says to him, you, you, you don't know. You think I was canceled? <laughs> That's the number one. This is not even 10 years after the show, right? Canceled, Larry? Were you under the impression <laughs> I was canceled, Larry? <laughs> it's a classic clip. I guess some, maybe some young person who's not familiar with Seinfeld would say, oh, that guy's beating up on an old man. Like, he's, be- he's bullying this yes. old guy. But I mean, come on, please. Like, how far is no, the pendulum I, swung? You know, that's ridiculous. And, and, and that's it. Who knows nowadays? It's we talked about this a bit yesterday. It's like even I find sometimes you want to make an, you want to say something and you don't and you think, oh, I'm not. You know what? I'm not even going to say it because somebody will take it the wrong way. Yeah, well, it's something, you know, like the kids think you're bullying Dan Duran for having a huge wang. There's an outcry out there. Like, leave the man alone. He's well endowed. Leave the man alone. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example of something that I've thought about over the past few years. If I was, if this was 1995 or 2000 and I was doing a sports comment, I would probably do a sports comment about women's hockey. 
The brand of hockey sucks. We love it when they're in the Olympics. We love it when they're playing in the United States because it's an event and it's a nationalistic thing. But the actual brand of hockey, I think, is horrible. I, I say that here right now, but I would never do a sports comment like that nowadays. I wouldn't even dream of it. Yeah, they'd roast you for that one. You'd be roasted from every angle. Even though it's my opinion, and I can say this product I don't like, or this movie I don't like, or I d- I'm not great on this television show. But for me to say, I think, you know, the actual brand of hockey, if you just watch it, take away the nationalism, it's not very good. Well, I mean, you, you, you'd have to watch what you say. You're well, going to get us canceled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can't wait. Uh yeah, it's funny. It's almost like having an opinion now. You've got to be careful, even mm-hmm. just having any opinion, which is one of the reasons why, you know, the discourse on social media, I, I try and stay out of the real prickly stuff because I don't mm-hmm. want to hear what people think of what I think. I, I mostly just make innocuous comments about golf and the odd thing yeah. I'll make. I'll share a political thing the odd time, but... I see the kind of vitriol that comes back even to what Mike went through in the winter. You know, it's pretty scary shit out there. Well, the summer. Was it the summer? I don't know, Mike. I'm like 63. Yeah, it was 63 on my next birthday. Dan Duran just found out he was born in the 1800s. Can we just say, (laughs) isn't it amazing to be surprised to find out you're turning a milestone 65? Oh, I thought that was surprising, but God, we don't want to pick on Dan. But let me look Dan Dan, in the eyes. Dan. Did you know, or were you were you doing a bit there? Or did you are you really surprised to find out you're turning sixty five? I was surprised. See, that's amazing. How is that possible? He wasn't. He was. You know this Why whole act. Lie? This whole act of yours. Yeah. Well, you guys tedious. think it's an act, but I, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I don't them. really care to know. I don't care to know. It's yeah. This is you no. Know, at this point, it's a bit. We've been on him. So <laughs> he, would have, he would have to be aware. And Mike. He yeah. is so image conscious and so appearance <laughs> conscious that, believe me, he knows 65 is coming because he so doesn't want it to happen. We should just tell him he's turning 70. Like, he'll believe, you know, he'll learn from uh-huh. you. Oh, I'm turning 70. Like, yeah. like what's the difference? Uh, I don't know, man. Hey, can I clear something up? Yes, please. Been please do. Today? We're struggling. So the, the woman who uh, recorded the voicemail and sent it and you played it. Yes. Fred, Fred did remark at the time he had trouble with it from a technical perspective oh. he couldn't play the m4a file so it was not about the content or the you know the media it's more about he couldn't play it on his computer well once again poor fred misunderstood yeah Under- misunderstood oh, he's like a uh, goo head yes. oh that's right hey freddie uh before we shut this uh-huh. thing down uh, I know Mike's got a Mike's got a story for us about John. I know, just hang on. But Fred's got some more business to take care of. We're going to talk a little bit of sports now. Earlier, you asked about Thursday night football. It's the Eagles and the Texans. The Eagles, a whopping fourteen point pick. All right, to win. Did you know Houston pays five hundred fifty dollars to win? Oh, that's staggering. Of course, the Eagles are going to win. One of the best teams in the NFL. And uh, tonight, uh, the World Series tied at two games apiece. Justin uh, Verlander pitches for Houston, uh, looking uh, for his first World Series victory ever. And uh, uh, the Astros are minus 160 to win all that. Okay, this wagering can be done at Bodog. I get these odds from Bodog. Whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment. From their industry-leading odds, world-class sportsbook and feature-rich poker room, to their fully loaded casino and race book. Yep! They've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. 
speaking of the World Series, did you guys mention that something happened last night? Only the second time in the history of the World Series, something happened last night? No. Uh, what happened last night, Mike? No hitter. Houston wow. pitched a no hitter. It's only the second no hitter in World Series history after Don Larson's perfect game in '56. Uh, That's cool, man. Yeah, I didn't watch the game, and uh, I, I saw the score, but I didn't. Oh yeah, no hits. Uh, four guys, so they don't let you complete these games anymore, which is really, like, my least favorite part of the new baseball is you don't get to, to finish. You got a no-hitter. So how long six. did the guy, he had, he had a no-hitter going through how many? Six. And they yanked him. Yeah, and they put a reliever in for the seventh, a different reliever for the eighth, and a different reliever for the ninth. So four guys combined on the no-no, which is the new way of no-hitters, but... Only the second time in World Series history. Yeah, it is interesting. The uh, the couple games uh, I've gone to now uh, with Freddie and our buddy Mike from Buffalo and then Rudra, uh, that is part of that, that sort of whole platooning of your pitching staff. This guy, I'm holding up my Roy Halladay hat. This guy would have, he was finishing games, man. He's like the la- last guy I can think of who completed yeah. all Great so pitcher, not mm-hmm. great on the, not a great pilot. Mm-hmm. No. Too soon? Shout out to Ridley Funeral Home. <laughs> you know, I feel I feel bad about that because um, we've let the listenership down because that should have been our lead store this morning. Well, it's a big Goodbye. deal. I mean, no, I, don't, I, I only tuned in because it was a no hitter, and I wanted to see history, and I wanted to see if they could keep it. But uh, yeah, the but does it, I don't. But I don't think it counts the same as the original guy in the fifties because that was one guy nine innings. Mm-hmm. This is four guys. That's what I was going to say. Like I, I'm with you. Like I thought it was odd. Well, it happened in the uh, the wild card game too. But I, I, it's part of the new baseball where. You know, Analytics. it used to be, well, you, you'd have your starter go as long as they could and then bring in some relief. And then there was this idea of middle relief, you know, relief in the seven and eight innings. Right. And, um, but I, I, I'm not sure if it was the one that we went to, Freddie, or the one that I was with Ruger, but they had like nine different pitchers yeah. in the fucking game. So, no, that's, if, go ahead, Fred. No, I'm saying that's definitely an asterisk. It's like, um, it would be like getting a hole in one on a mulligan, right, Howard? You got it, but you didn't. <laughs> well, not that bad. <laughs> that would be now, blast. listen, imagine if you can. I would, by the way, I'd take it at this point. I don't give a shit. <laughs> imagine if you can. Everyone but Dan, you can't imagine this. But imagine Dave Steves on the mound. No hitter in the World Series through six innings. Yeah. I don't know. Bobby Cox comes to the mound and says, all right, Dave, we're bringing in Mark Icorn. You know what Dave does? He punches, punches him, him in the, the dick. You know, another guy that they wouldn't be able to go to the mound and do that. Who is the other guy? The guy with the, the cowboy looking mustache. Uh, Oh, yeah, Jack yeah. Morris. Jack, Jack Morris. Morris. You're not going to the mound and asking Jack Morris to give up the no-hitter. he throw the yeah, ball he... on your face. Yeah, exactly. Little, little tidbit. One no-hitter in Blue Jay history was Dave Steve in Cleveland. I was there. I was at oh. that. Yeah. Nice. That's, it, was uh, a C- it was a CFOI trip, yeah. Okay. I remember working the X that day, and that was exciting. I didn't get to see it, though. But, yeah, the only one still. He had a bunch of no-hitters through eight and two-thirds. But only yeah. one new hitter in Blue Jay history. That is a cool thing. Uh, you know, I, getting back to that Nolan Ryan documentary that I loved. I mean, there's a guy that had, I'm going to say, four of them. Yeah. Oh, more. Seven, I think. But uh, he, to, it was one of those things where you just think about how phenomenal that is in right. perspective, in terms of a sports mm. accomplishment. You know, it's, I'm, of course, I'm going to bring up Tiger Woods. But in, in 2000, Tiger Woods won the U.S. Open, the British Open, the PGA, and the following spring won the Masters in 2001. 
And there's a big debate. Is that a grand slam or whatever? But as they as they've said over the years, at one time, he had all four majors, all the all four major trophies in his coffee on his coffee table. But uh, and no other human being has ever done that. It's never been done. So whether it did it in one calendar year, he did it in one 12 month period. Like, I, 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 don't even, I don't even understand that debate. He held all four at once. Yeah, I'd call that a grand slam. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, they, well, they call it the Tiger me? Slam or whatever, but, but it's one of those things like, like Nolan Ryan's multi-no-hitters. It won't happen again. They'll never do that again. No, and he finished every one of them, I'll just point out. Nobody was putting in a reliever to finish Nolan Ryan's no-hitters. No, right. and, the, and the interesting part about that is I, I would like to do some a little research and see how many... I would like to go back like to 1991 or whenever it was Dave Steve did that, uh, pitched the last Jays no-hitter. How many pitchers in that era actually finished nine-inning games and, and, and what the number is now? Because yeah. I'm saying it never happens. It's the odd time it might happen. It's near zero right now, and that's the analytics, right? They have analytics that say the third time through the order, the uh, batting average rises. Again, if you see a pitcher a third time, you kind of you got the feel for what they've got. You can get expected. Yeah. So basically, they don't want anyone to face a pitcher three times. Right. You know, Alec Manoa's flirted with eight innings a couple of times. I could see him in the right situation, like like having to be dragged off the mound if he was in that situation. So He's that type. Of let guy. me wrap up by by asking: Has any do did any Blue Jays have a complete game this year? I mean, is none? I wouldn't. I can't think of one, Howie. It may have happened. No, I can't think of one. No. no it's unbelievable how yeah. that's changed. We had a lot of changes in baseball over the years, but that to me is the biggest one. Like, I love the idea of the Jack Morris. He's going to pitch 10. Remember, he pitched 10. <laughs> that's right. Well, I'm just looking at a guy pins. like Jack Morris or uh, what's a, another Roger uh, Clemens? Clemens. Roger Clemens. That, their era of those guys, they're not going to be taken off the mound in the middle of a no-hitter. No, they didn't have these like IT band strains and, you know, and, and yeah, just different, different mentality. And, and, and again, back to Tiger quickly, like that, the idea that at one point he held all four majors that season, you know, like, I mean, the modern game is obviously different than it was 20 years ago, but Tiger wasn't playing against a bunch of chumps. I mean, he was playing against some of the best players of the of that era, David Duvall, Ernie Els, people you would recognize. But uh, in, in that run of winning four majors, he won the U.S. Open by 15 shots. Wow. No one's ever won a major by 15 shots and never will again. He won the Masters by 12, which you'd think was impressive enough. He won the U.S. Open by 15 shots. Two guys tied for second, and one of them said in the interview after, can you tell me when the, when the playoff for the tournament that I was playing in, when does that playoff start? <laughs> because, mm-hmm. because that guy's playing a different tournament than we were. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's like Secretariat when you see him cross the finish line. No one else is on the screen. Like, they're still... Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, and there's certain athletes, Gretzky, Michael Jordan... Uh, I don't know who the base Ruth. Babe, there are certain ones that just were so much better. And even they've even said that about Tiger in that 12 month period. He just was so much better than everyone for that period of time that it wasn't even a fair fight anymore. Well, it's like those old. I, I, sorry, I was going to say, it's like some sometimes you see some footage of Ali and you forget in the late 60s when he came back from the war, early 70s, Ali, you see him being moving his head as guys try and punch him it's it's like it's almost like a almost like a skit they just couldn't touch him 
He was mm-hmm. that much faster, that much better. Wow. Wow. You know why? Because he could float like a butterfly and sting like a bee, Howard. <laughs> I've heard that. Thank you, sure. Mr. Thank you, Mr. Costa. Uh, Mike Boone, everybody, quick the story, producer. Story. Oh, before you, by the way, if you're going to the premiere of Vandits tonight at the Scotia Bank Center, Mike will be there signing autographs no. before the show. No, but- uh, I will be there and uh, shout out to Stu Stone. He was great on your show yesterday, as always. And yeah, I'll be there at the premiere tonight, uh, eight o'clock start. OK, so I was at I took my kids to the Mimico Pumpkin Parade oh. on uh, the first of November, a couple of days ago. And I'm there and I'm, I become friendly with a woman named Howard. You would know because she's now your city councilor, but her name is Amber Morley. Oh, yes, Amber. So we're buddies like we were just chatting it up and then we took a selfie and we're talking and, you know, I'm very excited for her because she beat the incumbent and it's hard to beat an incumbent in uh, city politics. So we're chatting. She goes, oh, can we take one more photo? And she calls over John Tory. So John Tory was there and she gets on her behalf like a guest. And then John Tory, me and Amber post for a picture. But then Amber goes off and talks to someone else. So I'm chatting with John Tory for a while. and We're just talking. He's like he, he remembered recording something for my 1000th episode. Like he seemed to know who I was and we're having a great chat. And he goes, he goes, Mike, I want to show you something. And I say, OK, what is it, Mayor? And he, he reaches in his pocket and he pulls out a Blackberry, which is fine. He's got a Blackberry and he's doing something on his Blackberry. And then he holds it up to my face and I'm looking at it and he's showing me that in his contacts is humble Howard Glassman. Aww. And he wanted me to know he's got humble Howard Glassman <laughs> in his Blackberry contacts. Aww. That's very sweet. I, you know what? I, I, uh, he doesn't call as much as he once did, but I not only have, I have two, I have John Tory. I have his number, but I have his son's number uh, because his son is a pilot. And when uh, John Jr. Uh, found out that I was flying, he was nice enough to take me flying a couple of times. Which uh, is weird because sometimes I have tried to send John Tory the mayor a message and send it to his son by mistake, oh. which, I, which I think happens to the young John Tory Jr. Well, on, as we left, he did say, uh, "Have me back on." I love those guys. Love so that you shit. Texted him right now. Well, I think you need to do the text. I don't actually have him in my contacts, but if you texted him, we yeah, let's get John Tory back. We should, on. Well, you know what? I, I, when I saw that picture of you and John, I thought well, that would be cool. We should get him back and congratulate him on loves you guys being the mayor again. And ask him the big why question. Why? Why do you put why me <laughs> Every exactly. day when I watch the news, it's like him talking about stuff and being at places. I'm thinking, why? Yeah, he works why? very hard. Why? It's ridiculous. I don't know. He's got a beautiful cottage in the Moscone. He's got a home in Florida. He's 68 or nine years old. What the fuck is he doing? He wants to serve, uh, serve the people. He's special. He's well, a he's, special human being. He's very much like our friend Dan Duran. You know, Dan Duran mm-hmm. could just easily... Put it all aside and float off into the sunset. But there he is looking, doing the work for the people. <laughs> and, and Mike, you used a reference there I'd forgotten about. You said he reached in his hand and he had blackberries. I mean, what the fuck's he got blackberries in his pocket for? Like, Yeah, I made a, I was looking at it and he okay. goes, yeah, I still use a blackberry. No, but he means smile. blackberries like the fruit. Okay. Oh, like, yeah, like, why would he have blackberries? Why would yeah. you have blackberries? <laughs> oh, why, why do you have an apple in your fucking pocket? Okay, Shucky. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! Jesus Christ, John, Ooh. get a Tupperware! Holy man, you're like <laughs> you're like those old Ooh. comics on fucking Ed Sullivan. I said, tell me some more jokes, Myron Perlman, or whatever the. F- <laughs> oh, by the way, when I watch on YouTube, some I watch the old Carson stuff. You want to talk about woke in different eras? God, like Don Rickles on there making fun of Chinese people. Oh yeah, in the crowd like yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening back to listening to Mark Marin on the uh, flight from uh, France because uh, I didn't have uh, any entertainment. 
they were talking about, I came with some comedian he was talking to, might have been mm-hmm. Gilbert, but, uh, oh no, maybe it was Saget. Saget and his buddies went to see Rickles. Mm-hmm. They, they did it. They, he was talking about a story of going to Vegas to see Rickles work a room, and he said the exact same thing. Then he was saying stuff to like, and it's funny, it was Asian people as well. Mm-hmm. Like right there in front of you, of, like right in the middle, and they all loved it because, you know, that, mm-hmm. at that point, they weren't saying that stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. So Bob Saget directed Dirty Work, filmed right here in Toronto, and that had Don Rickles in it. Mm-hmm. Did it also not have uh, Norm Macdonald as well? Isn't that Norm's? Oh, big time! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, that's uh, Norm's movie. That's Norm's movie. Yeah. He's Lang. Yeah, I, I know we're getting late here, but it's just on that point because a lot of the Looney Tunes stuff has been taken off or down. And I'm just wondering with YouTube when I see some of that stuff, I thought, at what point are people going to start complaining about this? Why is that still up there? Um, why is that still available? Shouldn't they be doing a cleansing of that? Because it's pretty shocking, some of the stuff. <laughs> yeah, but I'm in high school. Did you guys read Huckleberry Finn in high school? Yeah, of course. I probably, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, it's littered, literally littered with the N-word. But, I mean, it's all yes, about yes. context. And they well, didn't, they didn't it. pull it from the shelves. Like, we all learned it in grade nine or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, I just think about some of those cartoons, Fred, as you were talking about it. The, uh, when bugs would pretend to be Japanese. Mm-hmm. You know, big buck tooth, uh, big round glasses. Like, that was just acceptable. Oh, yeah. And then the position of black people as servants and just oh, people yeah. to be used. And, you know, the whole boiling in the pot thing, you know, with the Mel Lastman, that's where yeah. that came from. You know, they used to have the natives boiling like like an Elmer Fudd in a pot. And like, hey, it's great. Yeah. All right. Well, we're getting late with a to review. Uh, we're shooting people into the sky with the t-shirt cannons. Uh, John Tory's walking around with the blackberries in his pocket. He could get a, a, a some kind of food saver. Um, I will, uh, I will do that uh, when the show's over. Yeah. I'll send him a note and say, Hey, uh, you ran into our producers. Anyway, we can get you back on the show and we will book him even on a Monday or Thursday when traditionally wow. now we do not, allow guests mike what about next week are we having any uh guests on our program big time now i'm actually really looking forward to noel castler being on the show tuesday because maybe you can talk to him about elon musk buying twitter he's got a lot of thoughts on that and uh amongst your other by the way great coincidence again because tuesday is the midterms in the states and noel has worked for if you're new to the show he's worked for trump for six years so he's got some inside stuff that's always interesting and he loves being on the show. So Noel Kassler is our guest Tuesday and Wednesday is the return of Paul Romanuk. Oh, nice. Yeah. Romy's got his uh, kids book. His kids series comes out every Christmas, his hockey books. And uh, Romy's one of those guys talking about a great uh, play by play hockey guy. And he loves his Beatles. Of course, he's loves got the, the Beatles. Beatles. I yeah. see now he's an instructor at the uh, College of Sports Broadcasting as well. well let's find out what they uh, charge over there to become a. Uh, a lowly paid uh, sports <laughs> That's right. intern. Yeah. The only <laughs> people making money are the guys teaching the courses. No, no. That's Paul. Jesus, guys. I'm not jumping on him. It's, oh, it's not hey, Paul's, hey, hey, hey. It's not that, Paul's not so fault bad. that there's no jobs for sports announcers. We don't pull punches on this program, Freddie. Okay. So, uh, also to review, if you want to send us voice notes... Fred didn't have a problem with it. It was just had a problem with some technical stuff. Yeah, it, it comes as an M4A file, and I think that threw off Fred's computer. But uh, yeah, we, uh, you, you, were, you loved it, as I recall. And Daniel? Oh, I thought it was grand. Grand. Uh, Danny, any final yeah. thoughts from uh, 
the house of Liz over there. You're, uh, will, will you be uh, once if I if I test uh, negative, will you uh, be here uh, in the yeah. uh, sketchway next week? We can expect yeah. uh, a visit from Dan Duran. Always a pleasure. Yeah. When, would you, when did you last test yourself? Yesterday? Uh, I didn't today? test yesterday. I'm going to test today. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that your uh, your 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 line's going to be faded. I hope so. Yeah. I'm all COVIDy. Yeah. Yeah. The loads. Not so big. I'm definitely trying to get rid of some viral load. I am. I really am. It's been a dry spell. He's been dropping loads all week. Easy now. Yeah. (laughs) Boone. Boone, you're impressive. Uh, Did we miss anything? I think we got it all. We uh, talked. uh, I think we got everything uh, that we're supposed to. I'm on this on-air meeting right now in case Mike leaves. But, you know, Kasler on Tuesday and Romanock on Wednesday. Why don't we flip those and have Kasler on Wednesday the morning after the midterms? Or does that matter no okay, sure i actually did not know the midterms for tuesday my apology but uh, what do you think? I, I, i'm okay with it on tuesday because that'll kind of set things up because uh you know wednesday you and i and but by the way the thing is by wednesday it still won't be decided well you don't know that but well they say that they say that because of the way the ballots are being counted now that it'll be like an election week yeah, only if democrats do well well no exactly we should drive the republicans nuts mm-hmm. okay well we'll figure that out dan duran i think it's time for you to uh close this uh thing down for yet another week have a great long uh weekend everybody this episode of humble and fred was brought to you by bodog the retirement sherpa the chambers plan GoDaddy, air ventures evnet.ca and our newest sponsor Kelsey's Canada's original roadhouse since 1978 eat what you want to eat drink what you want to drink and be who you want to be enjoy classics like the legendary four cheese spinach dip and unforgettable chicken wings fuel your adventurous spirit that craves something a little different a little more original you can email us at Humble and Fred, Humble and Fred at humbleandfredradio.com. And on whatever platform you're listening, please help us out. Like, subscribe, give us all the stars. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran, and yes, I'll be taking Fred aside and talking to him about his tone. He needs better tone. We turn our clocks back this weekend, so enjoy every goddamn saving time day.